Uh, God, we love you. We just pray that you would be continue to be exalted during this time. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts to receive your word? Uh, God, help me to speak. Help me to communicate uh, what you want spoken, what you want communicated, God. Um, and, and just shape us and mold us, God, with your word to be the men and women of God you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to hear from you guys. Before we jump into the word, I want to hear from you guys. What is your favorite cover song? Your favorite cover song? Or maybe, maybe a cover song that, in your opinion, is better than the original. What are some? Favorite cover song? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um, huh? Oh, you like you like Weezer's Africa cover? That is a good one. What's another favorite cover song? <laughs> what you got? Boot up You like your version better? Any any other famous famous covers that you like better than the original? So something came to mind for me. Uh, Whitney Houston's "I Will Always Love You," covering covering Dolly Parton's. Um, we had, uh, celebrated Aretha Franklin's funeral just a couple weeks ago. I mean, all of her covers, I think, you know, ro- rose to uh, above the original. The one notable one being "Respect." Um, and her her cover of "Respect," you know, that's it's like that. That's that's the one people think of when they think of that song. Um, you know, cover songs will come out, and sometimes, yeah, they'll be better than the original, and it makes us kind of remember uh, or think about or recognize, you know, maybe the, uh, the genius or, or what, what made that first song special with like a fresh set of ears. Like, oh man, you put a spin on it, then now I can kind of appreciate this more. Uh, maybe, maybe with movie remakes, man, when there's a really good movie remake, like they take some movie from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s that, you know, none of us saw because we weren't alive yet, uh, and then they remake it. Now, some remakes are garbage, but some remakes are really, really good. You see that good remake, and, and you're like, oh, man, um, I'm seeing why mom and dad, grandma and grandpa go on and on about this movie. I see what, they see how powerful this story is. That's why the, they wanted to bring it to a new audience, because this story uh, is powerful, the story is important, but it took seeing it with a fresh set of eyes to really get it. Right? With that cover song, sometimes it takes hearing it with a fresh set of ears to see, man, this song is really saying something. Man, there's some meaning here. There's some depth here. This is good. This is good. Sometimes older things and ideas can lose their meaning and their value to us because we've just been exposed to them so many times. Or in our mind, maybe they're, they're old. Uh, they're, they're not contemporary enough to have meaning to us. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes it's just we hear it so much that we stop hearing it. Right? Or we see it so much that we stop seeing it. We can become desensitized. And it takes something special to wake us up and make those things meaningful, valuable, and fresh to us again, right? To see it with fresh eyes again, to see a concept with fresh eyes, and to hear a message with fresh ears again. Uh, and that's what we're talking about tonight. John says, uh, you know, I'm bringing you a command, and, and I know you've heard it. It's, it's not a new command. In fact, it's the oldest command. Um, but I want you guys to hear it like you're hearing it for the first time. I want it to be fresh in your ears so you can really get it like you're hearing it for the very first time. Uh, and again, we're jumping back into our series called Complete Joy uh, that is exploring the New Testament letter of 1 John. If you guys don't remember who John was, John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was one of the 12 apostles. He, he, he walked with Jesus. He ministered with Jesus. 
you know, he, he was there when Jesus was, was arrested, you know, saw, saw Jesus, his, his, his master, his savior, saw him crucified, saw him raised from the dead uh, with his own eyes. You know, he says that in the first, first part of 1 John, with my own eyes, uh, you know, I witnessed the, the life and ministry of Jesus. I saw him with my own eyes, touched him with my own hands, heard him with my own ears. Um, and, and he experienced uh, the, the, the wonder of, of that relationship with Jesus. And he tells us the key uh, to having a full life is, is that we too would enter into a relationship with Jesus. We call the message complete joy because John said that's his purpose in writing the letter. He says there in chapter 1, My purpose in writing to you is that you will have complete joy, that your joy will be complete. You know, we talked about, man, the way to have a life full of joy. To make your joy, my joy complete, is to have that relationship with God through Jesus and have our sins forgiven and made right with God. Uh, we talked about man, what, what it means to really obey God. Uh, to, to, to love God and return love to God is more than just saying the words, um, but, but we need to obey God. So, so, he, so He knows that we understand. We know that, that we know. Or he knows that we know that, that what His plan for us is, is best. Um, and we, we show love for God by obeying Him. And so, so tonight we're going to pick up where we left off in 1 John chapter 2, picking up in verse 7, uh, where, where John's telling us, hey, I'm going to tell you something that, that you've heard it before, but I want you to hear it like you're hearing it for the first time. John Chapter 2, starting in verse 7, he says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is old one, an old one that you've heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Verse 8, yet it is also new. John says, it's old. It's so old. Like, it's the oldest one, right? Like, if you know two commandments in the Bible, they're what? Love God? And then love other people, right? He said, it's the oldest command, I know. It's old, but it's also new, right? It's old, but man, hear it with fresh ears because it's also new. It's also new. It says, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you, all, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. He says, man, Jesus lived this kind of love. You know, you may have heard that command growing up all your life. Man, you ought to love other people. You ought to love other people. We hear it so much that we get desensitized to it and we stop hearing it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've got to love other people. But then we don't love other people. Not really. You know, and, and, and we hear the command again and again. Man, you've got to love your neighbors. You've got to love your coworkers. You've got to love your, your family members. Uh, you've got to love people that are mean to you. You've got to love everybody. And we hear it and we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to love everybody. Um, John says, man, well, we've heard it so much, it's become old to us. We've become desensitized to it. Man, hear it with fresh ears. Hear, hear it like it's for the first time. Uh, because, because this command, yes, it's old, but it's also new. It's an old command. You've heard it a thousand times. Maybe you've become numb to it. But it's also the most radical, progressive, groundbreaking concept in the universe. So like hearing a brilliant cover of an old song that helps you appreciate its beauty with fresh ears, I want you to take a second and forget everything you know and pretend you are hearing this command for the very first time. Hear it with fresh ears. Hear how wild it is. Hear how revolutionary it is. Love people. Really, really love people. Love your family. Love your friends. Love your roommates. Love your neighbors. Even the loud ones. Love your classmates. Love your coworkers. Love your Chi Alpha family. Love the person sitting to the left of you. Love the person sitting to the right of you. If there's an empty seat to the right of you, say, I need to bring a friend next week and fill it. Love strangers. 
Love people that can't help you at all. Love people who might be a little difficult to love. Love your enemies. Love people who wrong you. Love people who have hurt you. Love people who offend you, who mistreat you. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44, Love your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who hurt you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Love everyone. Love everyone and really love them. Really love them. That's what it means to be a Christian. A Christian loves other people, period. A Christian loves others, period. That is the defining characteristic of a believer. Jesus says in John 13, 34, A new command I give you, love one another. Right? It's not new. It's the, it's the oldest command there is. But he says, I want you to hear it like it's new because y'all are not doing it. Love one another. And really love one another. And, and he says this in verse 35, and I love this so much. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you do what? Love one another. Jesus says that love for others is the defining characteristic for a Christian. It's not that we're perfect and never sin. Goodness. I'm glad, right? It's not that we never mess up, we never make mistakes. Of course we do. We're trying to overcome sin, right? But we still make mistakes. It's not, uh, it's not that we're perfect. And it's not that we read the Bible all the time, even though we should read the Bible. It's good for us, right? It's not that we pray all the time, even though we should pray. Those things are incredibly important. No, if you lead a life of holiness, if you read your Bible, and even if you pray constantly, but you don't love other people, right? you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't love the people around you, then you're not really following Jesus. And the world's not going to recognize you as a follower of Jesus. Man, if you don't love other people, they're going to say, there goes another mean, uptight, self-righteous religious person. Right? And the world's got enough of those. Jesus says the defining characteristic of a Christian is if you love one another. If you love one another, they'll know that you're my follower. If you love one another. You've heard it a thousand times before, but I want you to hear it with fresh ears tonight. We've got to start loving the people around us. And really loving them. Really loving them. Jesus says, I want you to love everyone. Not just love your friends, because anybody can love your friends, right? Like even The worst sinner you know loves their friends, right? So anyone can love your friends. So, so don't just love your friends and your family. Man, love your enemies. Love people that are mean to you. Love people that, that, that mistreat you, abuse you, they're cruel to you. I'm not talking about being, being a doormat, right? It's good to have healthy boundaries. But man, you've got to love them and really love them. Really love them. Love your enemies. Pray for people that are mistreating you. You know, why does Jesus say to, to pray for the people that are mistreating you? It's tough to stay mad at somebody you're praying for, right? Like, man, I, I've got someone that's really getting on my nerves, right? I've got someone that's really, I feel like they're mistreating me, they're doing me wrong. Um, if I can get over myself enough, humble myself enough, and pray for that person, say, man, and God, would you please bless Bruno? And he, he's making my life absolutely miserable, God. And, and, but, but God, I don't, I don't know why he is. But God, I, I pray for him. I pray that you bless him. I don't know what's going on in his life. Man, something bad must be going on in his life. He's, he's going to treat me like that for no reason, right? That he's taking it down on me. I don't know what's going on in his heart. I don't know what's going on in his family. don't know what's going on in his work. But God, I pray that you bless him. Pray that you help him. As you start to pray for him, you kind of put yourself in his shoes, right? You put yourself in her shoes. Um, you start to feel some empathy, some sympathy. God softens your heart towards that person, right? 
It's difficult to love people that are mean to you, right? So that's why Jesus says to pray for them. Maybe it's tough to love them. Well, just start praying for them. Just start praying for them. Just start interceding for them. See if God will soften your heart towards that person so you can really love them. Jumping back to 1 John. John continues in verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. It says anyone who claims to be in the light but they hate their brother or sister, man, they're still in darkness. Now, if you claim, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm following Jesus, yeah, I've got a relationship with God, I'm walking in the light, right? I'm living that holy life. But then you hate somebody? John says, no, you're not. No, you're not. If, if you hate people, no. No, you're not living in the light. Because God is love, right? God is love. That, that, that's one of the ways He chose to reveal Himself to us. He says, man, if I could reveal myself in a word, one of those words is love. I am love. You know, so, so, so we can't claim to be in God and walking in the light and hate other people. Say, man, you don't know what they've done to me. You're right, I don't know. But Jesus says you've got to love them, right? Jesus says you've got to love them. Not, not necessarily be, be a doormat, let them abuse you. Man, you're in an abusive situation. Get out of that situation, right? That's not what God's saying. But, but we can't hold on to that hate. We can't hold on to that bitterness and that ugliness and keep it in our heart because that's going to destroy you, right? Jesus is saying this for your good. Right? Not necessarily for their good, for your good. You can't hold on to that garbage. That, that hate's going to eat you up inside. That bitterness, that ugliness is going to eat you up inside. He says that, that, that anyone that hates their brother and sister, it's like they're stumbling around in darkness. Right? That, that hate is not hurting the other person, it's hurting you. And, and, and again, not, not to minimize the, the hurt that anyone's gone through. Uh, man, man, some of you guys, man, people have done terrible stuff to you. It breaks my heart, man, to sit across from some of these tables and hear your stories. Uh, and, and I know, man, there, there, there's hurt there. There's bitterness there. There's scars there. But he says the person, uh, man, that's holding on to hate, it's like they're stumbling around in darkness. You know, they, they, they can't find their way in life because that bitterness consumes you. You guys have been there before when it's tough to forgive somebody and you've got bitterness in your heart and you've got unforgiveness in your heart and you can't let it go and it just it fills up your whole vision. You can't enjoy life because you're just so seething, angry at somebody, right? You're so mad about a situation. You, you can't enjoy, can't experience the things that normally bring you complete joy, normally bring you happiness and peace. Can't be close to God because you've got so much anger in your heart. Man, Jesus describes the difficulty it is to pray when you've got anger in your heart. He says if you come to God to pray and you're making your sacrifice, you're there, you're there talking to the Lord, and you remember there's something between you and a brother, Jesus says you need to stop praying and go and make it right. Like, go and make it right with that person. God says, I'll wait, right? If, there, if there's some drama between you and somebody else, if there's a problem between you and someone else, you need to go and either ask for forgiveness of them or you need to go and forgive them. Uh, there needs to be repentance and reconciliation. And you may be having the best prayer time. God says, no, stop. I'll wait. You go and make it right with them. That's how important it is to God. He says, I'll wait. I'll still be here, right? I'm not going anywhere. You need to go and make it right with them. That's how important reconciliation is to the heart of the Father. That's how important it is to, to your Father that you don't have hate and bitterness and anger stored up inside your heart. He says, if you, if you walk around like that, you're going to be walking in darkness because that's all you can see. That's all you can focus on. Uh, it obstructs everything else and you're just going to kind of stumble through life and instead of experiencing the fullness that God has for you. 
I've heard, I've heard this example before that, that bitterness and anger and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies from it. Right? It's like you drink the poison and you hope the other person dies from it. You being angry is not hurting them. You hating is not hurting them. Your unforgiveness, your bitterness is not hurting them. It's only hurting you. And God wants you to be free from that. God wants you to be free from that. That bitterness, that bitterness is like a cancer that's going to grow and grow and grow. It's going to separate you from God. It's going to keep you from being able to love other people. We already said that loving other people is the way that we demonstrate we belong to Jesus. So people are going to look at your life and they're just going to see that anger. They're just going to see that hate. They're just going to see that bitterness. They're not going to see Christ, right? Jesus says, man, I want you to forgive them. I want you to let that go. I want you to love people for your good, for your health, right? Because that thing's just going to eat up you. That thing's just going to make you stumble around blind in this world. Um, I want you to be free of that. So you can experience peace. So you can experience joy. Don't drink the poison and hope the other person dies, right? Say, okay, God, you know, bring it to God in prayer. Say, God, I've got a problem with this person. You know it. You saw it, God. You see everything. Uh, but I don't want to just be mad at them forever because it's killing me, right? I don't just want to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. It's killing me. God, help me to forgive this person. God, you know what they did. What they did wasn't right. But help me to forgive them anyway. Because... Did God forgive the unforgivable in us? Right? When God, God looked at my life and He saw all the, the ugliness, the pride, the selfishness in my heart, right? I mean, God chose to forgive me. And, and He's saying, man, I want you to forgive others with that same kind of forgiveness. I want you to show grace to others with that same grace that I've shown you. John comes back to this idea in chapter 3. So we're going to drop down a little bit in 1 John to 1 John chapter 3. Verse 11. We'll come back to, uh, come back to the verses we skipped uh, next week, but, but, but it's kind of a, a through-line idea. I, I read one commentator. I've been reading commentaries on 1 John preparing for the series, and one commentator compared 1 John to a song. You know, it's interesting. We talked about cover songs in the introduction. Uh, this commentator said that 1 John reads like a song. You know, it, it's, not, it's not one kind of through-line that builds on itself uh, like a research paper, like, like the Book of Romans or something is. Instead, it's like a song. I mean, he's got ideas that are coming in and fading out. You know, stuff's jumping in like a chorus and then fading back out, and then a verse here, and then we're back to that same idea in the chorus. That, that, First John almost reads that way. And I thought that was really good. So I thought, hey, that's free. I'll drop that on you guys. But he comes back to this idea in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Uh, he says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. Again, this is an old message, right? John knows this is not a brand new teaching, right? I'm not blowing your minds with some brand new teaching. But because y'all aren't living it, I need you to hear it with fresh ears. We should love one another. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. If you guys aren't familiar with Cain, so one of the very first stories we get in the Bible is you read in Genesis. Uh, the very first, very first married couple, Adam and Eve, man, they have two sons, Cain and Abel. Uh, and, and there's drama right at the start, right? If you think your family has drama, well, the very first family had drama, right? Uh, the, the, the Cain hates his brother Abel because Abel's sacrifices were acceptable to God. Cain's sacrifices were not acceptable to God. Made Cain very angry, and Cain murdered his brother. He says, don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. 
Get this, we know that we've passed from death to life. How? If we love each other. Jesus says, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love other people. If you, if you love one another. That's how they're going to know. Not because you're super holy, super Christian. Not because you carry the biggest, fattest Bible under your arm. They're going to say, there's something different about that guy because he loves people like crazy. Right? There's something different about her because she really loves people. Like, you can do her wrong and she's still going to love you, right? Uh, you, you can say the wrong thing and instead of biting your head off like everyone else, man, she, she just she lets it go, she forgives you, she still loves on you. Right? There's something, something different about that person. It's that different that prompt people to ask. You may get this question sometimes. Why are you like the way you are, right? How is it that you're so loving? How is it so, so kind, right? Uh, in a world that's ugly to each other, that's quick to be offended, man, if you love other people well, it's going to stand out. And John says, this is how we know we've passed from death to life. Right? And becoming a Christian, uh, putting your trust in Jesus, is being transferred from death to life. Before coming to Christ, you were spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Disconnected from God. Disconnected from life. Spiritually dead. Uh, destined to be separated from God forever. But when you put your trust in Jesus and what He did on the cross to save you, God brings you from death to life. He gives you the gift of eternal life. When this life on earth is over, you spend eternity in heaven with God. You've transferred from death to life. And He says, you want to know if you've really transferred from death to life? Right? You really want to know if that prayer you prayed was, was just a show? Or, or, or if there's really transformation happening in you? Well, let, let me look at your life. Do you love other people? Because that's how you know. You want to know if you've really moved from death to life? Well, let me look. Do you love other people? No? We need to work on that, right? But man, but man, if you start really uh, experiencing the love of God, you start experiencing how much God loves you, start meditating on man, what Jesus did for you because of God's great love for you and think, man, God, I can't believe all you've done for me. I can't believe how you blessed me. I can't believe how patient you've been with me. I can't believe the grace you've shown me to save me. Uh, and you start meditating on that love, you can't help but love other people. It's going to come flowing out of you, right? I use this illustration a lot. It's like when you fill a bucket all the way up to the brim. You overflow a bucket and you try to walk five feet with it. You're going to slosh it everywhere, right? When you really experience God's love, you are not going to be able to help but slosh it all over everybody you meet. He says, this is how you know if you, if you move from death to life. If you love one another, right? If you're wondering, man, am, am I... Am I really in a good place with God? Am I, am I really in a good place in my relationship with God? Well, well man, is it, is, it, is it difficult to love other people? Now, sometimes, it, some people, it's always difficult to love, right? But you love them anyway. But, but, but just kind of gaze, like, where, where's my heart at with wanting to love other people like God loves me? With wanting to love other people to show the love of Jesus to them? That's a barometer we can use in our own life, John says. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Verse 15, and anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. When, when Jesus is giving the Sermon on, on the Mount, um, he's kind of given a deeper explanation of some of the commandments of God. Uh, because they're very aware of the commandments, but they're missing out on some of the heart issues. They're trying to find loopholes. Um, you know, Jesus says, you know, you've obeyed the command, you know, thou shalt not murder. But you're going around murdering people with your hearts when you're, when you're cursing them and you're hating on them, right? And you're, and you're calling them, you know, curse words and calling them fools. It's like you're murdering them in your heart, right? You've already cut them off in your heart. Uh, and God looks at the heart and He doesn't want you hating people. He says if you've got hatred towards people, man, you're, you're a murderer. You've already murdered them with your heart. If you've already come to that place where you're like, man, I wish they were dead. I don't care about what happens to them. They could live or die. I don't even care. You've killed them with your heart, right? God wants better for you than that. 
says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that a murderer has no eternal life residing in him. And if, you, if you're really drawn close to God, experiencing God, and that hate, that bitterness, that ugliness, man, you should see that melting away. And it may not be immediate. It may not be right away. You may have to plead, God, help me. Help me to forgive this person. Help me to love this person. God, help this, this hurt to heal. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it can take a long time. Um, but you should see that melting away as you draw closer to Jesus. You should see love in, uh, increasing in your heart towards other people. And here it is, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. If someone asks you, you know, what is love? How would you define love? Man, I don't think there's a better, a better sentence in all of literature, in all of history, in all of human civilization than that sentence right there. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. There's not been a greater demonstration of love in all of history than that. When, when we were enemies of God, right? When we were far away from God, when we were, when we were selfish, when we were prideful, uh, when, when, when all we cared about was our, was our own pleasure, uh, we were opposed to everything God was about, um, God said, I still love you. I want to adopt you into my family as my sons and daughters. So I'm going to send my son Jesus to go hang on a cross, right? And that Jesus would willingly go to that cross. He'd be abused. He'd be mocked. He'd be cursed. He'd be stripped. He'd be whipped. And then he'd hang there and die for me, right? For me. There's nothing lovely or lovable about me that Jesus would die for me. But because, because God loved me, because God wanted to adopt me as a son, wants to adopt you as a son, wants to adopt you as a daughter into his family, wants you to experience the fullness of life that he has for you, Jesus hung on a cross and died. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he died. What was that joy? Having a relationship with you. Seeing you reconciled to God. Said, so, man, the cross, that's going to be painful. And if there's any other way, praying in Gethsemane. If there's any other plan, if there's a plan B, plan C, anything, if there's any other way, let this pass from me. But there wasn't. So he went to the cross willingly. He could have got off of it. He could have called legions of angels to come to his rescue, but he endured it, and he died so that he could take the punishment that I deserve for everything I've ever done wrong. He could take the punishment you deserve. So when you call out to God and say, Jesus, save me, and our sins can be forgiven, we can be washed clean. We can be adopted in the family of God. When God looks at you, He doesn't see your mistakes, doesn't see your failures, uh, sees you perfect because of what Jesus does. That's, man, the greatest, the greatest demonstration of love in all of history, that Jesus would love you enough to die the, die the death that we deserve to die, right? It should have been me on that cross, right? I, th- I think, man, you, you really understand Christianity when you come to that place where you say, that should have been me on the cross. I'm the one that deserved to die. I'm the one that sinned. Jesus never sinned. But he loved me enough to take my place. And of course, the good news of the gospel is that he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave, appearing to hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses, and conquering death for you as well. Not just taking your sin, but also taking the curse of death, so that you know when this life is over, you have eternal life in heaven with God. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. John says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Right? Jesus did it for us in the same way we ought to lay our lives down for other people. Why do we love others? Why do we serve them and lay down our lives for them? Because that's what Jesus did for us. 
He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we were opposed to God, enemies of God. And how do we live in response to that love? Well, we love others the same way Christ loved us. Right? We lay down our lives for them. You may not be called to, to literally die for somebody, literally take a bullet for somebody. Sometimes you'll say, man, I love that guy so much I'd take a bullet for him. Right? I love, I love that girl so much I'd take a bullet for her. You may not, there may not be a lot of occasions for you to prove that, right? And I, and I hope there's not. I hope there's not. I hope you leave peaceful lives that don't involve a lot of bullets flying through the air. Um, but you, you have an occasion to lay your life down for someone every single day. When you lay down your pride, when you lay down your selfishness to serve them, when you lay down your life figuratively to say, how can I put their needs ahead of my own? That's what it is to love somebody. How can I put Justin's needs ahead of my own? I've got stuff that I need or I want. I've got stuff that I prefer, but I'm going to lay that down because, and then love Justin. Well, what, what, what does Justin prefer? Right? Well, what needs does he have that need meeting? Right? You know? Uh, I, I, I've got needs. I've got needs. But, but if I put other people's needs ahead of my own, right? Or if I see someone that's in need and, and I say, hey, I already had a plan for the day. I've got a whole schedule. I can show you my Google Calendar. I had all kinds of stuff planned for the day. I have places to be, stuff to do. If I can lay that down, right? Figuratively lay down my life for a second to meet someone else's needs, to serve someone else. I see a brother or sister that's in a desperate situation and I can just lay down what I have going on and help them. That's real love. That's really loving them. John gets super, super practical with it in verse 17. He says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God even be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And man, John cuts right to the heart. Man, how? Man, if, let's say, let's say we've got, you know, we, we, we've got, we've got enough money. We're comfortable. We're doing okay. But we see someone that's in a financial need, and we're not moved at all. We feel no compassion at all. And how can we say the love of God is, is in us? That doesn't mean we can solve every situation. That doesn't mean we can fix every problem. I know we can't, and I know who I'm talking to. I know I'm talking to college students, right? But there's still occasions where you can help. There's still people you come across with, and there's something you can do. You can't maybe fix their whole world, but there's something you can do that alleviates their suffering a little bit, that makes their day a little bit better. That's what Jesus is calling you to do, to lay down your life and help them. Do what you can to make their day better, make their life better. But if you just walk on by with no pity on them at all, no compassion in your heart at all, John says, how could the love of God even be in you? Right? You call yourself a believer, call yourself a Christian, Call yourself a Christ follower, but, but you've got no compassion towards the needs of the people around you? John says, that ain't it. Right? That's not it. He says, let us not just love with words and speech. Not just say we love people. Not just make really good speeches about how much we care for people and care for our community and we love our campus and we love our city and talk a good game. He says, don't, don't, just, do, don't just use your words. Words are powerful, but if it's just words, it's not enough. It says, but also love them with actions and love them with truth. Love with actions and love with truth. Really, really love them. Which means laying down your life and serving them. Which means taking a, a hard look and, and saying, okay, God, where are some areas where I'm being selfish, right, that I can humble myself a little bit. And then looking at the people God's placed in your life and saying, God, what are some practical things I can do to make their life better? Right? What are some practical things I can do to serve them? God, you've put classmates and coworkers in my life, family members, friends, um, maybe a stranger in my path today, and they have a need, and there's something I can do to meet it. 
God, help me to humble myself enough to, to love them, Jesus, like you've loved me. What are some ways that we can love those around us, not just with words, but with actions and in truth? How do we demonstrate love in a real and practical way to the people in our lives? What I want to do now, this is going to be our response to it. It's going to be a little different, okay? Uh, I'd like you guys to break up in groups of three. All right, break up in groups of three, uh, you know, two, two, three people. And, and I want you guys to answer a couple questions for me, okay? So real, real quick, just where, where you're at, uh, scoot and break into groups, small groups of two or three. Partner up, partner up with a partner, or partner up with a three. And I want, I want each person to answer a question uh, and think of a practical way, something you can do, right? Some action you can do practically to love somebody in your life this week. Right? So something you can do to love a classmate, love a coworker, uh, man, someone that, that, that you see a need in their life, and there's something you can do to meet it. That when I was preaching earlier, when I was talking earlier, someone, a specific face came to mind. You're like, man, there's something I can do to love them. Right? And if you're having trouble thinking, then just kind of brainstorm the group together. But I want each person to speak and say, hey, this is something that I can do to love someone uh, in my life, to show the love of Jesus to someone this week. Now, now if it's like I've got you know, that, that cute boy in my class, so I, so I want to I show him some love. I'm going to put on some... Per- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christ's love, right? Show God's love to somebody. Not, not, not there's a girl who's looking cute in my biology class, so I'm going to show God's love. No, no, I want you to love them with Christ's love and demonstrate Jesus to them, okay? So what's a, a practical way that you can... You know, J- John says that love's demonstrated by meeting a need. Jesus met our need, right? Our need was that we were separated from God and, and dead in sin. Jesus met our need. But what are some practical ways you can meet the needs and love the people in your life? So each person share, uh, and, then, and then I want you guys to pray. You know, for, they're, they're in your group. Pray, pray that God would help you to accomplish that and show Jesus' love to that person as you love on them this week. Uh, and, then, and then I want you guys also uh, to hold each other accountable. That when we come back next week to follow up and say, how'd it go? You said you wanted to show love to your friend Sheila. Uh, how, how did that go? Okay? So, so each person share a practical way that you're going to share love with somebody this week. And then when all three people share, uh, then I want you guys to stop and pray for each other. Right? And then we'll come back all together to break. Got it? All right, go for it. <laughs>